Again, it is a privilege to be able to open the Word of God with you tonight. Uh, Once again, I'm so thankful uh, for the opportunities the church is providing, including for the pastors for opening up the pulpit for me to have the opportunity. Uh, As some of you know, I'm going through the book of Ruth. Uh, There's four chapters in the book of Ruth, and I get four sermons, so we're doing a chapter a week. Uh, I last preached on June 21st uh, in the evening, so that was on Ruth chapter 1, but that was also a month ago, more than. Uh, So... Therefore, I want to review a little bit where we were back then before we pick up now. The next two times I'll be preaching will be the next two upcoming Sunday nights we have with a Fellowship Sunday in between. But we're going to review chapter 1, the first couple minutes here tonight. Uh, So you're welcome to open your Bibles there, but I'm just going to be taking you through chapter 1 verbally, a bit of a narrative. Uh, It opens up in chapter 1 with the timeline for the whole book. It says, In the days when the judges ruled... It goes, presumably, uh, this book was written during the time of the judges, before the time of the kings, where David and Saul come along. Uh, This is uh, when the judges were ruling and the judge cycles were happening. The book opens with with a problem, with a crisis. It says there was an intense famine in the land of Judah, including Bethlehem, uh, which was located in Judah. It was a long and severe famine. This wasn't a short famine. It wasn't like... Uh, of a week or so, this was a long period of time. They were having trouble finding food. Therefore, a man named Elimelech tried to be, uh, solve the problem, so he took his wife Naomi and their two sons and went to sojourn and went to visit a land far away to get away from the famine. Uh, most likely they were going to search for food and provision, but they, we looked at this last time, they failed to trust God when he told them to stay in the land he provided. They were already in the promised land, they were told to stay there, and trust. He failed to do that. So when they get to the foreign land, it's Elimelech, uh, Naomi, and his, their sons, and these sons took, took wives. Uh, well, before that, actually, Elimelech dies for his sins. But then their sons took wives, and just like their father, they disobeyed the law of the Lord because the law of the Lord says that they were only supposed to marry Israelites. They were not supposed to intermarry with the foreign nations there. Uh, they chose to disobey, and ultimately the Lord judged them for that, and ten years later, the sons die. Uh, the destructive nature of sin has run its course on this family. Uh, Limelech went with a family of four, and now it is just his wife and the two daughter-in-laws who married the sons. So it's just Naomi and the two daughter-in-laws in a foreign land uh, far away from home. So the land of Judah, where Elimelech and his family left, uh, it is now producing food once again. The famine is over. Uh, it's plentiful, and Naomi hears of this. So Naomi decides she wants to return, uh, but throughout the discourse, you find out that Orpha and Ruth want to go along too, but Naomi does not want that. She tries to talk them out of going multiple times, and Orpha ends up leaving. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but Ruth decided to stay committed to a bitter and disgruntled Naomi, who did not want her along. Uh, so Naomi gives in, and they go, and eventually Ruth and Naomi return to Bethlehem, where Naomi and the family was from, and it causes a stir. As Naomi had been gone over ten years, she left as part of a family of four. She returns alone with one daughter-in-law who they had never met before, a Moabite woman. Causes a stir in Jerusalem. Word gets passed around about that. Uh, Ultimately, when you get to the end, Naomi finally realizes that the Lord had brought judgment upon her for her sins. Why Elimelech had died and why her sons had died, they had disobeyed the law of the Lord. She was very extremely bitter at God. She said, call me Mara. Uh, for I am bitter. Uh, she did not, uh, she was not at all in a good mood. 
<laughs> so the whole first chapter is covering the story of Naomi. She's the center point. Uh, she is the main character. And it's, it's her journey, her journey away from Jerusalem, and then her journey uh, back to Jerusalem. We see the grace of God throughout the whole first chapter. Uh, it's shown to Naomi over and over again. He orchestrates the events of Ruth in her life. Ruth comes into her life, is faithful to her, serves as a companion, uh, and ultimately, at the end of the chapter, it says they return to Jerusalem, to, Beth, or to, to Bethlehem, Jerusalem, uh, at the beginning of the barley harvest. Uh, by the grace of God, this is not just, the grace of God is not just the theme of chapter one. It's the whole book. You see it in chapter one, you see it in chapter two, you see it in chapter three, you're going to see it again in chapter four. The grace of God is, is the whole theme of this book, and it's the same story continuing in chapter two. So we're going to continue to see how the grace of God manifests itself in the life of uh, Ruth and Naomi. So today we begin with chapter two. Please turn there in your Bibles. Uh, the story is now shifting to Ruth. We had covered the portion with Naomi. She was the center point. It's now shifting to Ruth. Ruth is now the main character. Uh, uh, Naomi is still in the story, but she is no longer the center. And as I did with the first chapter, because it's a narrative, I'm splitting this up into three sections. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7, then 8 through 16, and finally verses 17 through 23. So we'll address each one individually, then look at it as a whole. So I'm going to read Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Follow along with me. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. This whole chapter is uh, mostly a narrative between uh, the people talking, but uh, before the dialogue starts, uh, the author sets us up with some information that we need to know. If you look at verse 1, it says this. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. This is not known to the characters yet. It is not no known to Ruth or Naomi yet, but it's something that is very important as we go throughout this chapter. Uh, so this man named Boaz is a relative of her deceased husband from the line of Elimelech. That was Naomi's husband who had died when he left the land. He was a mighty a worthy and a wealthy man, uh, possibly a nephew, uh, but they're not certain. The dialogue then starts with a request from Ruth in verse 2. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So this is a common thing. This is not just unique to this story. Uh, for people who are poor or widows or those who do not, do not have a way to provide for themselves, uh, they would often go to a richer person's field, and they would find uh, food to glean. Now, the Lord had actually set this up. It was a means of God's grace 
If you go to Deuteronomy, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. Deuteronomy 24, verses 19 through 22 says this. The Lord had set this up. It's in the law of the Lord. He says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, do not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. So this very action that Ruth takes is a biblical one. It's one she's going to go out and she doesn't have food. She is a widow. She qualifies and she's going to try and search for food in the field. Uh, now, if you notice in verse 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the ears and, and, and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Not every person in the land of Israel listened to this law, uh, but she wanted to do it in someone who's, who found favor where they would welcome her and accept her for that. So she set out and randomly shows up in the field of Boaz. In verse 3 it says, And she happened to come. It was by chance. Uh, by, her, by her experience, she was not planning to go to the man named Boaz. She didn't know who Boaz was, but she happened to come there. Clearly the Lord is leading her, but in Ruth's experience, she was not planning to go to this man's field. So Ruth follows the reapers in the field as, as she was told to do. Then Boaz comes down from Bethlehem. Boaz asks an, an overseer who the girl following the reapers was. Uh, and the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Uh, Ruth had gotten permission in an honorable way. She had gone through the authority chain. The person in charge of the reapers knew she was there. She wasn't just running out. She had asked for permission. She had done it in an honorable way. Her character was also well known to the overseer and to Boaz. If you go to the end of chapter 1, as I mentioned, uh, it said it, it caused no, and the whole town was stirred because of them. Uh, that is when Naomi and Ruth returned. They, it was passed around. People knew about their story. Clearly the story of Naomi's family and Ruth's faithfulness had made it around to Boaz and his men. Uh, as we leave this first seven verses, it sets us up for the chapter. It tells us something about the character of Boaz, I think. Uh, Boaz was a rich man. He was a wealthy man. He had power, but he was also a kind man. He allowed reapers to reap. Uh, it doesn't say this explicitly, but Ruth asked permission from the head of the reapers to reap in the field, and there was no issue with that. He allowed them to reap. It seemed that it was custom. When Boaz came down to check, Boaz saw no issue of it. The, the man was not ashamed that she was reaping. It is, seemed to be a custom that Boaz followed the law of the Lord and allowed the reapers to reap in the field. You also see something about the character of Boaz because he's caring for the poor and helpless. Uh, when you follow that law, you are showing care for the widow, for the orphan, for the fatherless. You also see more of the grace of God as you see throughout the whole book. You see God first showing his grace in the Deuteronomy law allowing the people to glean. He had set that up for this very purpose, for people like Ruth, so that they would be able to survive. Furthermore, uh, he sends Ruth to Boaz's field, who was a relative. That was not by chance. The Lord sent him there. Uh, so the story continues. Follow along with me again. I'll be reading 
verse 8 until verse 16. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, and do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. Uh, This section of Scripture is an outworking of the grace of God towards Ruth, as he uses Boaz as his means to provide for Ruth in many ways. I think there's three main ways that Boaz provides for her here in the first section. First, Boaz provides Ruth with tremendous physical protections in three ways. One, from outsiders. In Ruth 2, 8 to 9a, it says, And Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field they are reaping and go with them. By allowing Ruth to stay with the other women, Ruth is not told to work alone and therefore be exposed to outsiders. Uh, She's not out there by herself next to a field, a foreign field, but she is with the other women and there's protection in that group. The second way Boaz provides Ruth with physical protection is from Boaz's own men. As you might guess, working out in the fields is a dangerous and vulnerable place for a woman to work. So Boaz protects her. In verse Ruth 2.9 he says, Let your eyes be on the field they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young man not to touch you? Okay? Boaz commanded them not to touch her. Under any circumstance, this goes above and beyond normal protection that he would have to provide for someone. He was not told you have to provide protection for someone who's gleaning, but simply allow them to glean. He goes above and beyond. And finally, he protects her from the elements. At the end of verse, chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So he protects her from people, but he also protects her from the elements in hot weather. The young men are not only told not to touch her, but if she's thirsty, give her something to drink. Make sure she's well cared for, that she is okay. Uh, Ruth expresses her thankfulness and confusion to Boaz for this grace uh, and his great kindness to her. She was just a foreigner. She had nothing, nothing to offer him, uh, except he chose to have kindness on her. Boaz is an honorable man. That much is clear. You can see that throughout the story. Boaz is a man of, of character. I think he would seek to protect any poor person especially a widow, but he gave Ruth more extensive kindness, and there's a reason for that. It's because of her previous actions. 
Ruth 2, 11 to 12 says this, but Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whom, whose wings you have come to take refuge. In a way, this was a return on her previous action. Her story was a popular one in town. We already looked at that. It, it, everyone in town knew of Ruth, knew of Naomi. Uh, God chose to bless Ruth's faith, faithfulness in the past. When she stuck with Naomi, there was no offer of blessing or reward. I think this speaks into our own life quite a bit. Uh, choosing to be faithful to God in private is not insignificant or forgotten. Okay, Ruth chose to show uh, tremendous faithfulness and loyalty to Naomi in chapter 1. Uh, and I'd, I'd present to you, this faithfulness was not easy, but it was extremely difficult. You, you put yourself in Ruth's shoes. She's at a foreign uh, she's in a land, and a foreigner comes over. She marries the foreigner, and then they die. The only person you left is your mother-in-law. You're still with your own people. But you choose to leave your people, to leave your family, and her home, and she goes back with her mother-in-law to be with her and provide for her. Ruth chose to stick with Naomi, who was absolutely miserable to be with. You know what it's like to be with someone who is, who is miserable, who's disgruntled, who's bitter. It's not any joy to be around them. Nothing inside of you wants to be with them, but Ruth chose to stick with her. Naomi was unthankful to Ruth. Ruth's faithfulness was not something uh, that she was given appreciation for. Rather, Naomi tried to get rid of her three times. Naomi was bitter towards Ruth and towards God. And on top of it all, if you remember, just before they leave the land, it is told that the husbands of Ruth and Orpha die. So on top of that, she's a person who's choosing to be faithful to a woman who doesn't want her to leave a land that is home. And on top of that, she's a grieving widow who has just lost her husband. If anyone has an excuse to be bitter, unkind, or unfaithful, it was Ruth. But Ruth chose to be faithful in the situation in which God had put her. Uh, let us be careful to serve God faithfully where God has us. Even when the people we're with are difficult, even when the situation is not ideal, even when we are hurting, just as is Ruth, let us be faithful to the Lord and where he has us. But God shows his grace towards Ruth, and he now rewards her for that. He didn't have to do this. Our faithfulness to God does not demand that God blesses us back, but God chose to do so. In Ruth 2, verses 11 and 12, it says this, But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Not only does Boaz provide protection and provision for Ruth's faithfulness, he goes above and beyond. Uh, it's a progression from one of the women, one of his servants, one of the people in the field, now to a special guest at dinner. Boaz provides more directly, showing her special attention. Uh, in 15 and 16, when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. And also put out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Now it's not only just let this lady glean behind you, 
but in a way, let her glean with you. Give her the best. Leave some for her intentionally. Show her kindness. Boaz is in a position to do that, and he chooses to. He's taking serious interest in this girl at this point. She's starting to win him over. Uh, Through her faithfulness to Naomi, through her humility and faithful work, uh, and if you know the purpose, this is to provide for herself and Naomi, and through her love for the God of Israel. Remember, she was a Moabite. She left her land to choose to come and serve the God of Israel. And if you know the story, this special interest is going to continue to grow. Uh, But we're not there yet. As we leave this section, the grace of God is so evident throughout it. God cares for Ruth, a poor widow through Boaz's provision. He also cares for Ruth by allowing her and Boaz to come together. As we go throughout this book, uh, this man is going to prove to be a faithful and a trustworthy man to her. We're going to enter now into the final section, verses 17 through 23. Please read along with me. So she, that is Ruth, gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law, with whom she had worked, and said, This man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good my daughter, that you go out with, this, with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Ruth's gleaning in the field turns out to be fruitful. It gives her a provision of grain. Uh, in verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until evening, then she beat out what she gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. You're wondering what an ephah is. An ephah is about six gallons, 20 to 25 pounds. Uh, So she returns to that with her mother-in-law, or returns with that to her mother-in-law. And if you know how much that'll that'll last, that'll that'll feed an army of 50 men, so it'll last two widows several weeks. This food that she has gotten in this day will, will provide for them for the significant amount of time in the future. God blesses Naomi through Ruth's faithfulness and Boaz's provision. Now we're going to, I want you to notice something here. We're going to see Naomi's reactions to finding out about this man who has, who has been kind with her. Uh, in, verse, in chapter 2, verses 18 to 19a, it says this, And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She brought out and gave her what food she had left over, after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? And then notice her response. Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Naomi praises the man who had provided. And rightfully so, the man had provided for her. Her spirits are uplifted a bit. There's maybe a, a, an air of hope in her words now. She, she's happy. But then notice how it goes on. It says, 
Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked. The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Finally, Naomi sees that it's the hand of God who is working for them in this, and she gives thanks and praise to Yahweh. Initially, when there was just provision, it was not praise to the Lord, but now that it's Boaz, that there's uh, a relative, it is the hand of God. Naomi finally sees that it is really the Lord's grace that is providing for them. She sees the sovereign hand of God working in her life. Naomi expresses hope now. Uh, Naomi's attitude is beginning to change. She had at the end of chapter 1, she was very bitter, wanting to be called Mara. But now, she says, the Lord has not forsaken the living or the dead. Her hope is returning to the Lord. Uh, the Lord, when he's talking about the living and the dead, the Lord has provided for Ruth and Naomi, that is the living, uh, throughout, through Boaz and the field and the food. But the Lord has also provided for the dead in Elimelech and Malon, that is her husband and father, father-in-law. And the Lord is choosing to care for their widows to fill out uh, their obligations. In addition to Boaz's kindness and provision, he is also a relative. In Ruth 2.20, says, And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. If you think back to chapter 1, this should be ironic to you as Naomi multiple times tried to send the daughters back, and one of the reasons was because there would be no one for them to marry. I don't have sons. I'm not going to have sons. Even if I had a, a man tonight and, and I had a son, you'd have to wait till he's grown up to marry him. Naomi saw absolutely no chance of finding a husband or finding a redeemer back in Jerusalem when she was back in chapter 1. But now it hits her. She already knew of this person. She already knew of redeemers. And not only that, it says one of our redeemers, plural. There were multiple, as we're going to see. But Naomi, in chapter 1, had not seen that or it had not occurred to her. She identifies Boaz as a redeemer. If you go to Deuteronomy 25, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to talk about it. We'll explore that pretty extensively uh, next week. But it says, if a man died and left a widow with no sons, his brother was to perform the role of the husband. It's a way to carry on the line and provide support and protection uh, for the wife. So Malon and Chilion, that's Ruth's husband, uh, and his brother were both dead. So now it's more distant relatives could redeem this woman. So we'll explore this in greater detail, how that all works itself out next week. But what you need to know is it is possible for Ruth to marry Boaz, for him to redeem her. We're now at the end of the chapter. Uh, Naomi and Ruth are together, and Naomi advises Ruth to continue working in the fields of Boaz uh, as it offered ongoing provision and protection for Ruth. If you notice Ruth, her character now, she's an ongoing source of support and grace for Naomi. When Naomi saw there was no use for her in, verse, or in chapter 1, Ruth is now a great blessing to Naomi over and over again in chapter 2. This is God's grace to Naomi, even when she didn't see it. Uh, God had grace returning them back to Bethlehem. That's the first thing, taking them back to the homeland. Then, not only that, they were back to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. There was time for them to get food, for the, for the ability for Ruth to glean. And Ruth is, again, a young and strong worker. 
uh, more grace towards Naomi. So we're at the end of the chapter, and we have a couple applications and points I want to make here. First of all, understand that nothing happens by chance. God is ordaining and ordering the lives of his people. Uh, if you've been here in the mornings, Pastor Reed's been going through uh, Romans 8 and 9. And if you go to Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God is working in the lives of his people here, and that is the same for all generations. He is working in the lives of his people. He's ordering their ways and doing things that are good for them. Looking back upon the story, what may have appeared as random acts are actually vessels of God's grace. He leads them back to Jerusalem, he, he, and that's at the beginning of the barley harvest. Then Naomi has a relative, a strong and rich relative, not just any relative. And then Ruth randomly happens to come upon uh, one of this relative's field uh, to glean in. Not only that, because of the big stir that Naomi and Ruth had caused when they returned to the, to the town, uh, Boaz already knew about her. It led to Ruth's story of faithfulness being known by Boaz. It led to Boaz taking kindly to Ruth. And then Boaz's protection of her in the fields, it may not make sense completely for Boaz, but she took, he took kind, kindly to her. And ultimately, it's a provision of God's grace for an older and weaker Naomi. These situations were ordained for God, uh, were ordained by God for his purpose. And if you look in, every, in, our, in our own lives, every situation in our life, God has put there by his own grace. Can we always see the reason? No. Can you always see how it's an expression of God's grace? No. Can you see, as the story goes on in your own life, how, how God is working? No, but you can trust that what you have in your life is being ordered by God. Ruth didn't see it. Naomi didn't see it in the time. But when you take a step back and you can see the whole story, oh, how evident it is. Uh, that God is working in their lives. Every little detail uh, brings about importance in the future. It is no different in our lives. The trials we go through, the hardships, the joys, uh, the good times, the bad times, are all put there by God, and they're put there uh, for His purposes. We can't always see it, but what we can do is we can trust God that He is working the situation for our good. We can trust the situations in which we are uh, they are being used by God. And finally, what I want to leave you with uh, is that God cares for his people. He gives provision and protection to Ruth and Naomi throughout this whole story. You see that time and time again. Yet ultimately, if you know the book of Ruth, he's using this entire story uh, to provide salvation, not just for Ruth and Naomi, not just physical protection, but salvation for the world. We're not there yet, but this entire story culminates at the very end because uh, God is using this story to bring us our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what a hope that is. What a story of God's grace, not just in the lives of Naomi and Ruth, but ultimately a story of grace in our own lives for the hope of the whole world. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for your word, how it is true, how we can trust it. We thank you for Ruth, for the example of faithfulness she sets uh, we thank you for Boaz, for the example of kindness that he sets, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your grace that worked throughout this story uh, to bring about your purposes in their lives, to show them grace even when they don't see it, to show Naomi grace even when she doesn't see it or is thankful for it, Lord. Help us 
to be content where we are at in life. Lord, help us to know that where we are is not insignificant, that where we are is not out of the will of God, but it's exactly where you want us. And the situations you have us in, uh, we are, to, are there to use, uh, to, to promote us to faithfulness, Lord. Pray that we would be a faithful people, one that is long-suffering and seeks to serve you, Lord. I uh, thank you for your grace, and ultimately I thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we have salvation and ultimate hope. Uh, I ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.